UX Podcast Episode 73. Hi, and welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And we're balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Today, we're having a workshop podcast workshop thing. <laughs> well, something like that. Um, with Russ Unger. Hello, Russ. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well, thank you. Welcome to the show. So good good to have afternoon. You with us. <laughs> good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> good afternoon. Yeah, good morning. Good afternoon. And good night. <laughs> I'm really well, psyched any... about having Russ on the show today because uh, long, uh, uh, well, p- at least people have listened to the show for a long time will know that we've talked about Russ, well, quite a lot in the beginning because Russ was one of the workshops in 2011 at UXLX, Guerrilla uh, Testing. Guerrilla Research Methods. Right. Guerrilla Research Methods. Thank you. And uh, it was one of our favorite workshops and we've referred back to it quite a lot, I think, uh, in, in, in a lot of shows, which is fun. Well, I... That's awesome, and, and that's outstanding. I refer to it quite frequently as um, as something that is uh, – well, it's, it's a book that Todd, Zaki, Warfel, and I um, – we're supposed to finish sometime maybe. Todd has had some life changes, meaning he moved from Philadelphia to uh, San Francisco, and he's recently landed at Twitter where he's got a fantastic job that I know he's madly in love with, which means that between him doing that and, and me working on – conferences and events that we're putting on in Chicago, uh, as well as kind of some of these other things and uh, full-time jobs, we don't necessarily always get the time to sit down and plan writing. So um, it's it's hopefully a, a book that we will get to and get completed sometime in the future, question mark. <laughs> I, had, I, listened to, I actually listened to you talk on um, The UX Apprentice. Um, a few weeks ago, and um, you talked about the book that's not finished. Um, but but it sounded it sounded it was very very close to being finished. It's just this magic little bit of time you need at the end. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thanks for that. I like to um I like to put things out there like that so that Todd may hear it and feel the stick poking him a little bit. Uh, and I do that in good fun. I love Todd. He's a, he's a, a, just a fantastic person, and, and I couldn't enjoy opportunities to get to do things with him enough. Uh, that said, you know, we could all use a little kick in the backside every now and then, myself included. And I, and I thoroughly like the fact that we are we are part of the stick, uh, or hitting the backside, or part of the backside. I don't know which. We'll, we'll just send him a link to this when we're done. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Um, but um, now, un- un- oh, we unfortunately can't be at UXLX um, this year. Um, we're taking a, a, a gap year, you could say. We've been to the last three in a row. And it's an excellent conference. Um, so if we were there, I'm pretty sure that one of the workshops I'd have penciled myself in for uh, would be your workshop workshop, um, mm-hmm. which um, you're going to be doing there. Um, a, a, workshop sh- a workshop session about how to um, facilitate and and produce or have awesome workshops um, um, of your very own, um, which um, oh, I, I read the I read the, um, the the overview and thought, yeah, no, nah, oh, this 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 will be good. Um, 
<laughs> well, well, thanks for that. Uh, Brad Nunley and Dan Willis and I uh, wrote a book called Designing the Conversation that came out last year, and it's a book on facilitation, and it's something that we believe is a core skill for UX practitioners. Um, I mean, you know, being able to write well, being able to speak well, and being able to guide people through conversations or meetings, yeah. it's really super mm -hmm. important, and it's also not one of those things that people you know think about enough i think when it comes to what are things that i need to do as a uxer you know the wireframes and the sitemaps those things come up pretty naturally even usability testing and, and user research comes up uh, but all of those things you really need to be able to be a good facilitator in order to make those things happen well and and that's where the workshop came from brad and i uh, Brad Nunley and I, who I created the workshop with, we we really thought about a bunch of different ways that we could make this happen. So the premise of the workshop is you come in, you learn a bit about what goes into making a workshop happen. And there's an, an awful lot of event planning things that happen that I think people don't really consider as well um, as somebody who puts on events. And I mean, even the coordination for us to do this podcast, it requires a lot of sort of planning and scheduling and back and forth thing. And we had to make sure the equipment was working correctly. We had to make sure we had a good sound check. These are all things that I think outside folks who really don't uh, try to do these things, they don't necessarily well, they just don't know that that stuff exists. So we try to cover off on that. And then we have four uh, different sessions. We have teams of four. And then in these teams of four, we have uh, everybody, everybody has the opportunity to lead a workshop. And they get critiqued by their peers, and um, they also critique themselves. And you know, it's pretty interesting. At the first, the first time around, the first person who goes, you can tell they're a little nervous and they're they're not sure what's going to happen. Then they, the people who are at the table are all intensely watching, or on their team are intensely watching <laughs> to see um, what can I learn from because oh crap, I might be next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in general, the goal of the workshop too is is for people to come in and lead these different workshop sessions, and and they're all formed um, kind of in a linear way through the steps of a of a mock project. Uh, but what can you know? Can you sit through this workshop and then go back to work on Monday or whenever you go back to work next? And could you feel much more comfortable leading a workshop? In essence, we give you that environment with which to learn, make some mistakes safely, so that when you go back, you can have seen this happen um, and pay a lot more attention, uh, you know, because it's facilitation and because you're going to have to do it and you're part of this team. I think you look at everything much more differently, and then you go into running your own workshops with a lot more experience that you might not have the opportunity to get otherwise. Wow, it sounds fantastic. A great idea. It also sounds kind of scary, getting critique and giving critique. Uh, <laughs> well, well, we set up, we set this up. Uh, critique is a is a really, you know, critique is actionable feedback, and it's mm -hmm. up to you to, as to whether or not you take action. Yeah. Um, but we we help moderate and facilitate that too. You know, what we ask for and and look for from people, and how we frame this is based on something that Dan taught us, which was uh, something he got from Sapient Nitro, which is what are positives and deltas. Not um, you sucked at this, but more here's an area that you could you could potentially change, and here's some feedback on on maybe how you handled this particular situation and and not um, you were an awful presenter. You know, it's not things like that at all. It's a safe environment. Everybody mm -hmm. knows that they have to be up there next. You know, <laughs> I mean, if yeah. you think about it, if you're giving if you give feedback to somebody and you're kind of rude or obnoxious about it, 
what do you think is going to happen when it's your turn? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, people oh, will be a little less sensitive to it, I think. And I, th- yeah. I but I mean, we've in the in the many times we've done this workshop, we've never seen anybody say something, you know, painfully negative. It's always been, uh, it's always been, like I said, warm and receptive. I think everybody in this environment wants everybody else to succeed. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point though. With, instead of doing the plus and minus, um, like you do, you do uh, plus and points for improvement so you actually you're, you're helping give that people that extra push to keep on going rather than pushing them down and saying oh god no you were terrible don't do this again yeah then that's just it it's it's looking for opportunities for change you know the delta here's things that you can consider changing that might help this work better for you yeah and just I the think, idea yeah. just the idea behind the workshop as well is is fantastic i mean a lot of people do struggle with a lot of uxers do struggle with uh, well, we have to do usability tests. We need to get buy-in from stakeholders. We need—I need, I need me, more people to listen to me as a UXer. And sometimes I just feel self-aware going into those situations where I actually have to take lead, leading a group of people. Often in a meeting, it just doesn't have to be a workshop, but often in a meeting where I just have to stand up, guide them through some uh, pictures or images on a whiteboard, and, and feel confident doing that. Uh, it seems like this would be a perfect thing to attend to actually just get that extra bit of confidence in how how to approach that situation and and that's absolutely another purpose i mean you can tell gosh i remember when i first started doing speaking and you can tell because you hear the voice doing this when somebody's talking and you can tell that even though they know their information they're just not confident and that sort of that shaky voice thing that happens because you've you've not been there before and um oh my gosh i hope nobody you know calls me out or asks me a question i can't answer those types of things we we try to help prepare you for that a little bit i think that um what happens with corporate cultures and, and just how we do our work world, running meetings is something that's a lot like public speaking in that uh, nobody really says, and here's how you run a meeting, which is great, by the way. This is great for people like Kevin Hoffman, who's got fantastic information out there about how to run great meetings. Oh, Kevin Hoffman. I actually went to his workshop at UXLX last year, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was about um, um, I said, better meetings by design. Great yes. workshop. Um, um, well, yeah, about how to structure your um, your meetings so you get something useful from them. Absolutely, and it's great that he's doing that because, you know, really, when you, you go to work at your first job or even your, your seventh job, I've yet to see somebody have a training that says, and here's how you run meetings at yeah. this company. Yeah, exactly. And and so I think it's fantastic for for Kevin's material to be out there, and I think at the same time for for our material, talking about designing the conversation and, and doing the workshops, that we give people that opportunity to see you know what's involved, and we give them that opportunity to run it. Like I said, in a safe environment. If you if you come to this workshop and you absolutely bomb, you're going to walk away with how how you bombed. And take that home with you and be able to make adjustments. You may, you know, you may feel a little sore from it. It's kind of like um, when I listen to this podcast, I'm sure I'll hear all the ums that I've done and it'll make me cringe a little bit uh, or watching yourself on video. Um, I do a thing. See, I just did it. I do uh, I do a workshop called Speaker Camp uh, based upon the book that I wrote with Samantha Starmer. And one of the things that we do is something we also learned from Dan Willis. We have people give five-minute presentations, and we give five minutes of critique. We record those sessions, and I cut those up and send them back to the attendees for them to have. And, and I've heard from people that 
sometimes they just won't watch them or it's really painful. Oh. And I know it's, it's awful to so, hear and watch yourself, you know, give a performance of some type. So you, you have five minutes talk and then five minutes of critique about the five minutes talk. Correct. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Cause you, <laughs> you got as much back as you gave in the first place, mm. but I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, when I listen back to these podcasts, I notice how many times that I talk over people. And it's one of the one of the real risks when you when you get people who love to talk in the same place. Everyone's got <laughs> so many things they want to get out, and we've got a limited amount of time. D- d- resisting that urge to kind of now I've got to butt in and say this, or it'll just be gone, and I'll never get it back. And oh, challenging. I just don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one possible yeah. solution, Pat. But I think um, one of the challenges, well, what I feel like with, with meetings and workshops, one of the one of the big problems or challenges that you face as a, as a UX person is you've just got so many roles you need to fill or you feel like you need to fill during this kind of um, situation. Um, you know, you, you, you're brought in there as someone who's expected to organize it. You're expected to, to lead it, facilitate it. You expect to, to make notes and record what's happened during mm. it. And, and then on top of that, you're the expert. So you're supposed to come with all the smart stuff during the workshop and fill in the gaps. And then f- uh, finish off the interaction design as well, of course. Yeah. Well, and how, that's well. Go ahead with your question, but you're absolutely well, the, right. The, that's the a the how is the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been getting a little mileage out of a quote that we are all event planners now, um, and if you think about that, every mm. meeting is an event. Um, one of the first things I do when I start a new role or start somewhere is I make sure that I'm always the person who. When I set out, send out invites, there's an agenda. Even if it's two bullet points of what we're going to talk about, that's very important. Um, if I'm setting up meetings for work or anything else, I'll try to walk the space, see the room, make sure there's supplies, organize people. Then there's planning food and snacks and schedules. And then there's materials. Are there handouts that you need? Are there post-it notes and wall post-its that you need? Who's going to be the scribe? How are you going to do your next steps? What's all the information you need to get to do an activity? And I think that the people who are good at this, somebody like a Kevin Hoffman, I think that it seems like Kevin can just throw together a meeting. But the reality is these things require a lot of planning time. And, And even in the workshop workshop, we've removed a lot of that planning, but we certainly talk about it. And, you know, if there's no one taking notes in the room, surprise, you're supposed to be the note taker. Um, (laughs) And and that's also kind of a challenge. So, you know, for me, I think for me, I'm I'm always making sure that uh, I try to remove myself from being the expert about what we're doing and make myself more uh, maybe the person who is a little talented at getting information from people. So I'll ask direct and hard questions um, that allow me to get the information I need to move on or engage people in it so that they're part of the process and it's not turning into a really boring lecture. Um, And I think this is why books like Game Storming by Dave Gray, Sonny Brown, and James McAnufo do so well, um, especially when you get into more of the the lean environments or – any of, yeah, any of the lean startup or lean UX, once you start to see those activities and the benefits that they can bring, that helps kind of lessen the blow too, I think, for the person who is doing all the organization mm. because they have other people engaged in activities. I digress. I'm going to keep tangenting and tangenting until um, 
I think I talk about every book on my bookshelf here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the same books I have. And I actually attended James McAnoofa's workshop last year about games. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't interview him for the podcast, no. did we? Oh, no, we, we didn't. We sat, in a ta- no, we sat in a taxi with him. Yes, we did. <laughs> we, were, we should we have brought out a microphone then. <laughs> oh, we should. It was excellent. We've sat in a yeah. you know, crazy Portuguese taxi. I mean, mm. the, the taxis in Portugal are insane mm. and and it was the end of one of the evenings so we'd had a couple of glasses of wine and, I, I um, and james was off on a conversation and we had, we had an excellent 10 minute chat in this car oh I, I i i love james we interviewed him for uh designing the conversation and he is you know super smart the work that those those folks have done is such a benefit to everybody i love when when i talk to people who have learned some of the 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 lean startup things and and um you know, I'll say, here's an empathy map activity, which if, from being in the workshop previously, you've, you've been through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'll put somebody through that and explain why. And you'll hear a group of people come together around an empathy map persona. And they'll say, and now we're talking about Norman. How would Norman do this? And they're like, where did you come up with this activity? And I'd say, here's game storming. Um, so I feel like about yeah. once a month or so, I add at least a couple blips to their uh, – to their sales process. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 it's one of those Bible things, this game storming that you can have there and keep referring back to. Right? You know, it's, it's fantastic. And I'll tell you, another one of my crutches is also Universal Methods of Design because it's a, it's a nice thick book with about 100 different uh, activities or outputs that we have. Those are pretty great, pretty great things when it comes to looking for activities. But so is, I mean... Uh, at at some point you start out doing the activities in there and then in other uh, after a while once you really get your feet wet and you're you're a little more experienced you start learning how to um morph them or combine them and you start making kind of these these super game storming activities which are kind of fun too and you yeah. can see how to plan a whole day uh that that's such a time saver i think you you guys were in my guerrilla design methods or research and design methods workshop and when I can take something like that and mash it together a little bit differently and spend a day with 10 people and, you know, they look at me kind of cross-eyed, like, why are we, why are we doing this empathy map? Why are you making us sketch? <laughs> are, am, are we doing the work for you? And, you know, kind of <laughs> smile and laugh and, and watch them go through it. And uh, it's really interesting because when it's all done, everybody feels like they're, they understand what's coming next. You know, they're part of the solution. They've got their fingerprint on it. Um, and they've really just helped us inform design because we've got all the stakeholders on the same page. Well, being able to facilitate that allows us to save time in the process for one. And, and two, we've got everybody who they don't feel like there's any grand reveal. Like if I have a, a design review meeting with people, there's no what the hell is this? This isn't at all what we what we were expecting. It's all more we've been part of the process. This makes sense based on the whole day of discussions that we had, and and I think that's what being a good facilitator and, and leading good and smart workshops can help you get to. Yeah, yeah. I think I oh, we had some reflections on the, the projects I've been working on a lot this um, this our first part of the year we were reflecting and talking about how we could improve it for maybe the second half of the year and um, I think we've done quite a good job with facilitating and getting out the good stuff from it but um, what we've been poor is, is is just with recording stuff we've noticed that we've been repeating ourselves on a few different sessions and a few <laughs> different meetings that we you know we, we're having to retrack the same ground retread the same ground to come to the same point because we haven't been so good at recording um, so I'm hoping we can pull something out there and um, I'd, I'd actually like to pair up with someone 
who could, I could take with me as my my little personal recorder <laughs> to uh, to keep track of things exactly. when we're at these meetings. Mm. No, you know that's a that's a really good point. Um, you you will kind of get in those cycles. Like where where I struggle the most is. Um, if I've put everybody through a sketching scenario, does that do they get tired of it, or is it me getting tired of it because I've done them so many times? And how do yeah. I keep it fresh for me as well as them? So yeah, I, I digress. Um, you know that even recording sometimes could be a shortcut. Uh, is it too easy to go back to it and say, well, just hit play, as opposed to put it, putting somebody through? Mm. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes as well that we. Um, like exactly what you say, when you've done something, you've used a technique several times under quite a long period, it kind of feels like, oh my god, yeah, they're, they're going to think this is just ridiculous that I'm making them do this again. But a lot of the time, especially when you're in groups of people who are, who are not, they're not web people or design people or UX people, they they do kind of wake up and go, oh, that was fantastic. That was excellent. Mm. Um, even though it's a simple thing and you're, you're almost bored of it yourself. You know, it's it's really interesting. In a recent workshop that I did, uh, I caught myself feeling a little, not bored, but just kind of going through the motions and kind of wondering, wow, is anybody getting anything out of this? And I started catching a little bit of flack, a little bit of, um, you know, be, like I was kind of being made fun of or the activities were being made fun of from the participants. <laughs> and. And it was okay because it was good-natured fun, but it also got me right back into it. And and the feedback overall from the workshop was that, you know, people definitely questioned the methods, but by the time it was done, they were going, oh, this makes sense. This is good. And so I think it's a matter of, nice. like I said, you've got to keep it fresh and remember that other people, even if they've gone through something similar, this isn't something that they've uh, – this isn't something that, that they go through as much as we do. And, and heck, one of the things that I've heard, too, is people in business scenarios have a hard time taking a day away from their, their week and sitting down for a workshop and getting to do things like cut up paper or sketch or, mm -hmm. or be part of the design solution. And when you give them that opportunity, uh, it changes perspective and it gives them something different to do. I mean, gosh, I've got two kids who I think could sit and color and, and draw things all day long and you forget about how much fun that is. And then okay. you give them that opportunity to do it and, and still it's part of their full-time job and you save time in your, prog in your project uh, doing it all. One activity that I've seen that I, a lot of people get sized from is, is when you bring out the yellow post-it notes they're going to go, oh, no, not that again. And so a lot of the tools and the uh, methods you're talking about now are like, ways of not doing the post-it notes, but more doing the sketching and, and other things. But trying to loop back to the workshop workshop that you're doing for UXLX, uh, you were talking about a lot about the preparations uh, that go into actually visiting the room and, and thinking about the food and thinking about the breaks and thinking about everything. And that was one of the things that, was, that we talk about often about your workshops, not just the content, but how you set it up and you manage to do it almost almost within time. And I think that's one of the one of the things we said about the workshops at UXLX is that they are three hours and some of them are made to be one day and it's kind of really uh, pushed into those three hours and a lot of people just go through all their slides and there's no time for uh, actual practical work and stuff. So you actually manage to do that. So how do you how do you go about planning your time to fit right, the right amount of of activities into uh, into your workshop? Practice and a cheat sheet. Um, okay. <laughs> what, what people don't see is I have a document 
that's that has everything broken down into time slots uh my my personal agenda and it'll say you know in bold here's the time from this time to this time i'm doing this activity and here's some notes about it and i write on this as the the day or the workshop goes by so that when I finish and I, I'm done and I go back home and I'm planning the next one, I have that sheet of paper and I can make adjustments for it. So the first time out is always the scariest. Um, when, I, when I did this my first time, the, the design research methods at UX London, I tripped over myself a bit and, and it showed and I got some really good feedback from some people to, to help me improve that. So I think by the time I had gotten to Lisbon, I'd done it a couple or a few times and was hitting my stride. Um, it's unfortunate because, you know, as whenever I can, there's local meetups and there's there's local groups that I'm a part of. If I have a new talk or or what have you, I'll go through that with others so I can kind of understand what's happening. With a presentation, I know that I go through about a slide a minute. Um, and I know it takes me about an hour to create each slide, all things included, mm. meaning research and designing the slide and everything else. Um, I know that about myself, but that's also through many years' experience. When it comes to a workshop, you have to you kind of have to hope your participants are all at some base or median level and that, you know, you can manage the outliers, meaning those who are a little more experienced and maybe maybe a little bored with what's happening and those who are not as experienced and need a little more coaching. So you kind of hope that that you can bring them all in and, and, and get them there. So sometimes participants will, will blow your timeline a little bit. Most times I will say that... Uh, it's not the participant, it's me. It's me not having allocated enough time and thought for that. So I'm not really, I don't, I don't want to blame a participant. Um, even when I used to teach, I would sometimes see advanced students and people who were far less advanced, and I would try to pair them together so I could get them closer to the median and stick to my timing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's a little difficult there. Sometimes the challenge can be you know, can we do this activity in 20 minutes and get value out of it? And if not, how do we kill it? Or what else can we can we get rid of to keep uh, keep the important content there? It's it's a bit of a give and take. Um, unfortunately, one of the only ways that you can get good at that is is through experience, which is kind of an unfortunate. <laughs> it's kind of that unfortunate crux. Back in the I think 80s or 90s, there used to be a saying: um, you can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing when it comes to workshops yeah. or even giving giving presentations in front of an audience. Sure, it's yeah, I agree. It's about experience, but it's also I think about caring and about empathy because you wouldn't put all that energy into actually reworking your your agenda or the timings of the different activities unless you actually cared about <laughs> what the people thought of you or the, the workshop outcome. So I, th I think a lot of people they they write books and they they are the specialists coming in to talk and they give their talk and they're they just do it uh, and don't don't put all that energy into the preparations and into the planning that I think mm -hmm. that you were the, the way you're talking about it, at least. I think this is per you've got to be just honest with yourself. And it's one of the key things with this, because if you think back of like, like what 16 workshops we've been to at UXLX alone, mm -hmm. um, the ones the ones that were successful are the ones that are, you know, the, the, the holder of the workshop has been able to break the workshop down into 
modules into chunks which they, mm. they feel comfortable with and they can they can throw one out or pull one in or change it around you know on the fly yeah. um dave gray being one of the examples there I, you know it feels like he doesn't prepare his workshop whatsoever because he's got all <laughs> the chapters of i mean he's got all the chapters of bit of great of, of um game storming in his head mm. and it, it kind of presents it in a way it's like oh do you know what? i think we'll do this one now this exercise now and mm. he throws in an exercise yeah. whereas then you've got the opposite extreme and i'm not going to name names and I, really, and I really aren't this time. You can listen back to some of the old shows in here, um, where where you can tell that there's there's been that kind of lack of honesty to themselves when they're prepared for the workshop, and they've gone, okay, here's a hundred slides. This is what I normally do for this. Oh, they're so important. I'll just go through them. And then when you're actually doing the workshop, they they prioritise the slides and getting their stuff out and say, oh, we'll skip this exercise. Mm. And but hold on, I'm in a workshop. I want the exercise. Mm. So <laughs> so you know, just need to be more honest about, okay, this is going to take time. This, like you said, Russ, that you know, minute a slide when you're presenting and so on. I mean, I can't kid myself. There's no way I can spend two hours of a three-hour workshop reading these slides and have breaks and have what exercises. Oh gosh, no. I mean, and and this is this is just it. I mean, if you, if you look at the workshop, workshop has four, depending on the the amount of time we do it in, has four activities in it, and four activities is an hour if they're 15 minutes a piece. And that doesn't include the setup time, the the debrief time, and if you think about that, that suddenly makes it two hours. And that's <laughs> if that's if they're fifteen minute activities. Um, yeah. And then there's there's a break, so there's two and a half hours if you've got a half an hour break in the day. And then there's your your setup for the day or any sort of introduction in in terms of. You know, for the workshop, workshop. Here's some stuff about facilitation and leading workshops. Here's another. Here's a half an hour, and here's your your ending part. There's another half an hour. Next thing you know, you've got you've got three and a half hours of a day taken care of just by having four 15 minute activities. Mm. <laughs> and that, that's only activities that you're focused just on that, and not you know what I mean. Then, like I said, you have to account for kind of the learning aspects and everything else. There's there's an awful lot that goes into planning, and and like I said, we're and this isn't an, an industry thing, meaning it's not the UX industry. I think it's just, by and large, what happens. There, nobody really tells you, this is how you get good at this stuff. Um, and that's and that's part of what we did with the designing the conversation. I talk. There's some chapters in there that I wrote about all the things you have to plan and prepare for. I mean, for UXLX, I know the room that I presented in, but I'm still going to go there to the facilities early and walk around and look and check the room and clap my hands and see what the sound is like. Do I need to be microphoned? Uh, is there audio there? What's it sound like? What kind of microphone will I have? Is it going to be a lavalier mic that's pinned to my, my lapel, which means that when I turn, I have to turn with my shoulders so that the microphone picks up all my sound? Or will it be a headset mic where it doesn't matter how I move, it'll pick me up? Uh, handheld mic. You know, all of these things that people in general aren't given preparation for are things that really we we try to try to think about and cover and at least give some insight into that. Uh, further, nobody tells you that you can take your your laptop and um, you can calibrate it for different presenters, uh, pr different presentation devices, meaning. Um, projectors and stuff. So you can make your darker colors bright so it doesn't seem so so hard to read on a screen. Or how do you choose colors with good contrast for your slides? There is so much information that people have to think about. Hmm. It's 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 I liken it to um are you familiar with Dave Grohl? Nope. Uh Foo Fighters he's Foo Fighters. Oh yeah. okay. <laughs> Dave Grohl is is somebody who can play the drums, which means he's got 
two feet moving and two hands moving or arms moving. And he can also sing, which means he's also remembering lyrics and able to hold a tune. And to me, that's what a good facilitator is, is like. Somebody who can do all of that stuff at once and be good at it. And have that Dave Grayism that you mentioned, where it seems like he can turn on a dime and, and shift because it feels like something isn't going well. Mm. And I can promise you that while it seems like Dave doesn't doesn't rehearse any of that stuff, it seems like he's pulling it out of his back pocket. He's thought about if this activity doesn't work, I can always slot in this one instead. Mm. Or, you know, I can see, get a feel for the audience. And if I can't do this, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. So we shot it. I got a little off off topic there, but I know um, it's just it's just one of those things that, like I said, there's so much more. We're all event planners now. <laughs> I think it's excellent. I mean, and just going into like you were saying there about the microphones. I mean, when I when I give talks, sometimes if if it's the wrong microphone or I have to stand on the side of the stage that I wasn't expecting to, then that sort of makes me feel more or less confident, of course, and perhaps has an impact on how I present, of course, as well. So it, it all goes into. The planning also makes me feel more confident and hence or just makes it work better in the end. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing as, as a presenter or a facilitator is everybody, for the most part, wants you to succeed. Mm -hmm. They're there because of your name, something that you wrote that makes them feel like it's important, or the, you plan something that they realize is important to the success of something that they're a part of. So they want this to succeed, and, and they're on your side from the onset. Uh, don't be afraid of, of hecklers, because I very, very, very rarely had those, even in times when I probably deserved them. Um, <laughs> I very, very rarely had them. Everybody generally wants you to succeed. Those who don't, most of them will get up out of the room or they may send a you know, passive-aggressive tweet once in a while, which is fine. Um, but they want you to succeed. And, and so the important part is to focus on knowing your information and, and having it be something you're passionate about because that's the stuff that shows. And if you've got those two things down, there's there's really not much that can stop you. And and if you if somebody asks you a question or tries to stump you or knows more than you about the topic, and there will be somebody who knows more about the topic than you do in the room, uh, the best thing that you can say to them is, you know, I don't know. I can check and get back to you. And that's okay. It's okay to not know answers to things. You can't, I mean, you can't facilitate all of this stuff <laughs> and plan for all of this stuff and know every darn thing about, uh, you know, every single topic. You can know what you know. I think that is actually an excellent point because that, that applies to, to our everyday work as well. I mean, yeah. you sit there in a situation and, and often, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expected maybe to be that, that all-knowing UX guy or web guy and in, in the meeting you're in or workshop you're in you're supposed to remember every single design pattern that's ever existed in the history of mankind and every example website that's ever been produced and how everything works everywhere and they're looking at you to answer this and you know yeah it's fine to actually say that's a really good question um, I don't know the best answer just now but I'll, I'll go off and I'll research it a bit and I'll get back to you and, and tell you what I think or tell you what I know. Uh, you know, another Dave Gray story. Um, seems like I have this, this total love affair with Dave Gray and I kind of do. I love Dave. He's, he's, he's one of the nicest people. Um, and he's also, well, he likes, he likes to facilitate, hates to be facilitated. Dave, if you're listening, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, but we were doing idea 2008 in Chicago and I, and I remember watching Dave on stage 
and he's giving this great presentation and uh, somebody from the audience, I'm not going to name names this time, called him out on something mid-presentation. So almost a bit of a heckle, but those two people know each other and like each other really well. And he said something to Dave that basically said, well, what about this? And it was kind of a contradiction to something Dave had just said. And Dave goes, huh, good point. And then just kept going without missing a beat. And I was in awe. I was like, he owned that situation. He managed it. He wasn't disrespectful. He just kept going and, you know, politely shut that person down. Uh, and like I said, they're friends. And so I think it's easier to kind of be heckled or have your friends play with you a little bit when you're on stage. That said, you know, I didn't know that at the time. And I thought Dave was masterful. And so, you know, if you want to get good at this stuff, too, by the way, watch the people like that who are who are experts and watch their mannerisms before they give a talk or before they do a workshop. Mm -hmm. um, I desperately try not to hide inside of myself and try to be social and, <laughs> and talk to people and smile because in my head I'm walking through the entire day and I'm probably a little bit nervous and I probably haven't eaten or had any caffeine because I know it'll make me go 10 times faster. Um, and, and there's, you know, all of those things that are happening at once. Um, <laughs> By the way, best advice I've ever been given from Jesse James Garrett, go to the restroom before you give any sort of presentation or workshop. <laughs> Fantastic advice. <laughs> it is. It applies, applies to everyone from a, from a five-year-old upwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, I've got a whole long checklist now to write up uh, for, for the future, <laughs> approaching every meeting and, and presentation and workshop. Wow. And of How course, this, this also applies to any meeting that you're in. I mean, that, that's yeah. what we're saying. There, Absolutely. There's a lot of talk in Sweden about meaningless, meaningless meetings that we all sit in, hour in and hour out, day in, day out. And uh, it's I have a, I have a secret for you. I have a secret for you. Mm -hmm. They're not just doing that in Sweden. <laughs> I think that's yeah. universal, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cost of meetings. Oh. But, um, I mean, how are we doing for time, Pat? We should probably think about wrapping up now. Okay. In that mm -hmm. case, well, how about we come with um, a couple of concrete tips um for people in their next kind of normal everyday workshop they've got mm. they've got to run what 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 should they do <laughs> go to the restroom there we go <laughs> no uh listen <laughs> um i i say that you should invest your time in planning uh if you show up to a workshop and you're really pulling it together at the last minute that's going to show and that's going to cause you more problems uh than than anything else if you if you're planning an all day work session, gosh, give yourself a couple of weeks because I bet you're balancing a lot of other things to do. Sit down and give yourself a detailed agenda. That agenda is your cheat sheet, your cheat sheet, your guide, everything that you need to keep you on track. Uh, be rigorous but not rude with your timekeeping. If you've got things that you need to do, and this is this is hard for facilitators everywhere. I catch myself doing it sometimes too, where something goes over and you've got to balance. Where can you where can you cheat and take from later? So uh, mm. be be good about your time. Even if you've got good topics, are those things that you can defer? Or if two people seem to be owning the room, can you have them have their discussion offline or outside of the meeting so that you can keep yours on track? Uh, I'd, I'd say one of the biggest complaints that, that I've heard or seen over the years is that people can't respect time or they can't get things done. So you've got to make sure that you are that meeting owner. If this is your meeting, take control and keep people on track so you can get the information that you need to get the job done or the work done. Yeah. So, you know, that. agendas, 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 agendas. 
Yeah, I think that's good that park, you can park things. So if something comes up, two people are, are discussing something, and maybe having a good discussion, it's a good point. But if it's if it doesn't fit into the agenda that you planned, then we can say, okay, that's really good. We can we can make note of that, we'll park it, and we'll continue with that another time. Then it's input to your next agenda for some other meeting or some other workshop. Absolutely, and, and meetings and, and workshops are expensive, so make sure you've got all the right people that you need. Um, and one of the things that's really interesting, and, and you'll pick this up from Lean Principles, is having those right people in the room. So, for example, if, if you're doing a, a website and you work in financial services or pharma or something like that, where a lot of legal involvement is required, have them in your meetings. Make them part of your team. Don't make them somebody that gets a grand reveal later. I, I find that the big reveal, uh, which is often the outcome of projects, is dangerous. You're setting people up to – they don't know what's even coming, and then they have to react to it in an hour time frame. Excellent stuff. Um, Love it. It's um, it's 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 some ways a shame we've waited three years to get you on the show. Mm. Um. Well, hey, I, I'm sorry that we'll we'll miss you at UX Lisbon this year. I'm excited that I get to give a workshop as well as a talk. And um, you know, if you guys get bored, come on out to Chicago. We're doing a great event in uh, the summer called Prototypes, Process, and Play. Mm -hmm. That is uh, is targeted towards senior UX professionals and and. Uh, and design and development professionals and leaders uh, be fantastic to get uh, some some great European presence. I think uh, we'd love to come across to um, something at that side of the the pond um, mm -hmm. sometime when we can fit it into our schedules. It would be great to do it. <laughs> well, thanks again for having me. I truly appreciate it. It's, it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys, and, and let's not wait three years to do it again. No, we won't. As soon as you get that book out. <laughs> the gorilla research methods. Oh, yeah. Damn it, we, we are waiting three on. years. We are going to wait three years. <laughs> Son of a... Todd, they'll do a podcast with us if yeah. you'll hurry up and help me finish this. <laughs> yep, that's it. It's booked. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Well, that's it for today's show. Um, you can find us pretty much everywhere and anywhere as UX Podcast, um, including UXPodcast.com, where you'll find oh some extra little bits and bobs um from the show, the show notes, and um, and maybe even some exclusive content. Who knows? Go and check. Exclusive um, content? That sounds really interesting. Well, well, you know, I'm just trying to tease them, Pat. Yeah, I'll have to check that out as well. I reckon, you, I reckon you'll fix something, Pat. <laughs> you're, good, you're good at fixing this stuff when I randomly <laughs> throw it out there without warning you. <laughs> so, um, Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Thank <laughs> you.